Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. You know, Dorothy said it in The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. And that's the way I feel today. There is no place like home. I enjoyed the trip to Finland. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Had a great time. But you get to a certain point, at least I do, get to a certain point where you say, okay, that's enough. That was a lot of fun, but that's enough. It's just so many days and sleep schedules messed up so much. And uh, I mean, I came home last night and I probably started to fall asleep around 8.30. And, and, and of course, that was while sitting and trying to watch TV. And then I went to bed at around 10 o'clock and stayed there until 8 o'clock this morning. And, I, and, I, and I'm still dragging a little bit, to be honest with you, but that was the most sleep that I've gotten, I think, since we left on the trip. So I uh, feel much better about that, at least for the moment. I don't know. Maybe a couple of hours from now I get tired and have to have an afternoon nap. Who knows? But in any event, uh, the uh, trip to Finland, the entire experience was terrific. Um, you know, the games aside, the experience of it, uh, everything that uh, we got to to do and to see and the people that we met and all of those things were absolutely wonderful and had such a good time doing it. Uh, can't thank enough people. Um you know, the NHL, just for setting up the, the global series, it's amazing. You know, they, they take the game to countries like Finland that have such knowledgeable hockey fans and so many players that are in the league and really uh, really good players in the league. And bringing some of those players back to let them see them play in the NHL in person, I thought it was uh, terrific. So thanks to the NHL for doing that. And, you know, thanks to the Blue Jackets for allowing us to go. and we didn't in today's world, as you know, it's easy to do games from other places. We we didn't have to go, and and I can't thank the Blue Jackets, uh, the ownership, and the management enough for allowing us to take that trip and and have a great time and experience all the things that we got to experience along the way. It was uh, tremendous. It was wonderful. Um, and as I said, the games aside, I mean, the games are a different subject because the Blue Jackets are struggling right now. But you know, the players. Uh, they got to experience it. Uh, Jonas Corposalo and Patrick Laine got to show off their country to their teammates. Even though the results of that bonding didn't show during the two games that we just played this past weekend, I think that it will in the future. But um, we'll have to wait and see on that. If you're live with me on Twitter Spaces and you have a question and you want to ask it, you can go ahead and do that. Just request to be a speaker and I'll bring you up and you can ask your question. Uh, from the hockey end of it, it's uh, it's tough. It's disappointing. It's uh, the Blue Jackets are not in a good uh, not in a good place right now, uh, and it looked like they might be in a good place after Game One or during Game One, I should say, when they were down three to nothing to Colorado and they came all the way back and they they uh, tied the game with three goals apiece. But then they gave up three more and they wind up losing that one six to three. And then the second one, they tie it at one, and Colorado goes on to score four unanswered goals. I know you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champions. I know that uh, Colorado is an extremely formidable team. I understand all of that. But, you know, to a man, there has to be better individual performances that will lead to better team performance for the Blue Jackets. It's really that simple. It's um, There's not enough people pulling their own weight right now. There is a lot of discombobulation. I'm not sure why that is. 
I don't know exactly what's going on. I'm like you. I'm watching this, and, I, and I'm seeing players that normally don't do things on the ice do those things on the ice. Uh, players that are normally more responsible that are making bad decisions and getting themselves out of position and all that stuff. So it is um, it's quite the head-scratcher right now to watch the Blue Jackets and the way that they're playing and the amount of goals that they're giving up and the lack of goals that they're scoring. You put it all together, it is, um, you know, it's a concerning picture. Let's be honest about it. And the management's concerned about it. The coaches are concerned about it. You and I are concerned about it. And the players had better be concerned about it because they're the ones that are going to decide what's going to happen here. They're the ones that are going to decide if they're going to be here, if they're not going to be here. They're the ones that are going to decide how much they're playing and how much they're not. All of those things. Because at the end of the day, you can point fingers all around, but it is the players that have to make the change. It is the players that have to give more effort. It is the players that have to make smarter decisions. It is the players that have to play the game. Very simply. So, we'll see what happens. Next game isn't until Thursday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. I'll be honest with you. I thought, in looking at the schedule, I thought in coming back, we had a lot of time off because you look at the schedule and you see a game Saturday. You don't see another one until Thursday. But when you're in the thick of it now, we're flying home yesterday and the headwinds were stronger than expected, so the flight was longer than it was supposed to be. And you land, and you get home, and it's like 6 o'clock in the evening. And today is a day off, and Tuesday you're back to practice, and you play a game on Thursday. So what you know what looks on the schedule like a big break, now that we're right in the middle of experiencing it, it's not a big break at all. It is almost right back to work here. So there's a chance to start to steer the ship in the right direction. You got to do it. I mean, this this stuff that's going on just can't continue. It just can't continue in the way that it's going. All right, I've got some uh, I got some questions. I will get to you on Twitter Spaces, so you can request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up. But first, I, I've got a, a couple of questions that were emailed to me, Bobby Mack at BlueJackets.com, and Greg sent, sent – <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Apparently, I'm more awake, but I can't speak. Greg sent this a couple of days ago, so I want to get to this first. Good morning, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. Hope you're enjoying yourself over there in Finland. Had a few questions for you today. Uh, on the inside edge the other day, uh, when Line a, you asked Pat, or Jody Shelley asked Patrick Line a about a previous trip to Finland with Jack Roslovic, I'm guessing it's when those two played for Winnipeg, and I guess Jack Roslovic had a terrible time. When Line a answered, and this guy's got a poker face like no other, so I can't tell if he's joking around or not. But he basically said in regard to Jack Roslovic, I'm done with that guy. He can do what he wants to do. So from your perspective, you were there. Is he joking around or is he making light of the situation or is there something else going on there? If there is something else going on there, I find that interesting, especially considering all the team's woes recently and what may or may not be going on in the locker room. Maybe reading too much into it, but again, as a listener, I can't tell if he's kidding or not. So uh, the other thing, what goalies, if any, other than Corpusalo and Elvis, of course, traveled with the team to Finland? I went to the Monsters game last night, Saturday night, and I expected to see Jet Greaves and Tarasov there, and I ended up seeing, uh, was it Pavel Chayan, Chayun, um, and... Uh, Another guy on the bench, I can't remember who that was. So uh, just wondering if Tarasov and or um, Jack Reeves also traveled with the team. Thank you, Bob. All right, Greg, thank you very much. Um, 
So, Greg, wanting to know about uh, Patrick Laine's comments about Jack Roslovic saying he's done with that guy after Jack said that he didn't enjoy his last trip to uh, Finland when the two were with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Greg, he was totally being sarcastic. There's no problem in the room, no problem in the dressing room between Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. It was just a, uh, it was a sarcastic comment. It was just Patrick being Patrick. Patrick was being just being funny about it. So uh, there is uh, nothing to see here is what I'm saying to you. There's nothing to see here as far as any problems with those two guys. Um, uh, what else? Uh, oh, the, the goaltenders. Yes, Tarasov was on the trip. Daniil Tarasov was on the trip. He, as a matter of fact, he dressed as the backup for those two games. Uh, he is going back to Cleveland now because Corpusalo is healthy again. So uh, Elvis and Corpusalo are going to be, um, you know, the two guys here. And uh, that is that is the way that goes. And that's why you saw Jet Greaves, or that's why you saw uh, Pavel Chayan down in Cleveland. I'm not sure about Jet Greaves. I didn't look and see. I don't know if he's playing, if he's hurt, or whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, Chayanne and Greaves had been the goaltending combination in Cleveland for the Monsters, but Daniil Tarasov is going back, and the Blue Jackets are set with their two guys in the NHL. All right, one more of these uh, one more of these emails, and this one is from Adam. Hey, Bobby, it's Adam, Denver, Colorado. Uh, I just watched both games, Jackets and Abs in Finland. Uh, highly entertaining, but uh, a little disappointing on the outcome of both games. Jackets look like they hung in there for in the first game a bit there, and Looks like Johnny Gaudreau had a million chances to score and just couldn't put one in. Uh, but then you move on to the next day, and it seemed like the Jackets were giving a lot of odd man rushes. Was that anything that was coming from coach to, you know, press on the offense? And we always had a deep pinch in and, you know, came back to bite us, what, like 30 seconds in, which was a tough start for uh, Corpus Allo. But uh, obviously that was not his fault. Um, but, yeah, w- wondering what you're thinking on why, why are we giving up so many odd man rushes. Uh, is that to try to generate some more offense or what? Uh, look forward to hearing your response. Why are the Blue Jackets giving up so many odd man rushes? Adam wants to know. Um, they're just, they're gambling. They're gambling a lot. They're gambling and they're losing is what they're doing. Uh, let's go back to that first goal that was scored against uh, Jonas Corposalo in the game on Saturday night. Uh, the Blue Jackets, 35 seconds into the game, they've got four men below the faceoff dots against the Stanley Cup champions. They didn't need to have that situation, and they shouldn't have had that situation that early in the game. They are pushing. They are trying to score. But again, it wasn't a smart decision because as soon as there's a turnover, look out, boom, back the other way they come, and it's a two-on-one, and it's Nathan McKinnon on one side and Arturi Lekkonen on the other side. Pick your poison, pucks in the back of the net. I mean, there's Corpus Allo. He's making his first start of the year, and the very first shot that he has to face is that. Two-on-one. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help, you know? Um, but they're just they're, they're gambling too much, way too much. And they're, they're, I think a lot of guys are trying to force things that aren't there. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of concern. They know they need to score more goals. So they're trying to do things. I said about this earlier. There are players that are getting out of their element. Yeah, Zach Wierenski's a scorer, and he was on the ice. He was one of those guys. Blankenberg was the only guy left back there to defend the two-on-one. But, you know, you, you try to push it. And, and I think especially maybe as a, a leader and an older guy, you try to do too much. 
And that is the key. You can't. There's only so much you can do. At the end of the day, you got to do your job. You, you don't get out of your, um, you don't get out of your element there. You just don't. And they are. And I don't know why that they are. I got a couple of emails saying that those uh, those questions weren't coming through on the uh, Twitter Spaces stream. I don't know why that is. I apologize for that, but I hope that you got the gist of you know what I was saying and what uh, you know the questions that I was answering. So there we go. Let's go to uh, CBJ Global Series Neff. He is uh, on Twitter Spaces today. How are you? I, I'm doing well. You know what? I just hold on for just a second. Hold on. Hold on for just one second because I just figured out why you guys can't hear this because my phone lied to me. I'm telling you right now, my phone has lied to me on this. And I've got to try this. Uh, i got to try to reconnect this thing here and get it. Yep. Here, can you hear me now? A couple sips of a glass or something like that. Yeah, there you go. See, I was drinking my coffee. I didn't know. I had no idea. The phone, it said it was connected. It wasn't connected. Now it's connected, and now... Now we all know, so I apologize for that. That's uh, sometimes we learn by doing. You know what I mean? It happens. Technology is no, great when it works. I don't care. Is I don't. It, no, I, my it? my thing is when it says it's connected and it's not. That's what drives me crazy. You know, if I just missed it and right. I pulled it up and it says it's not connected, then that's on me. But the the damn thing lied to me. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's why that's why everything's going right now. You can't do anything right. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm still here in Helsinki, by the way. I uh, just wanted to keep this positive for you for a minute here because I know the jet lag's probably going to hit you anytime now. <laughs> so um, I <laughs> I just wanted to give a huge shout out to all of the CBJ fans that made this trip over here that live in the States. Um, I know this was a big event and I, it was disappointing, but I think I speak for the majority of us all when I say it was a hell of a time. Um, and I really want to shout out all the Finns here uh, that welcomed us, welcomed us with open arms. I mean, they were tremendous, uh, such a friendly people. The way they are behind their hockey teams, uh, the way they celebrate Patrick Line and Kimo Rantanen, uh, Mikko Rantanen, sorry. I mean, it's crazy. Um, we have one listener here actually on the show, Sila. Uh, she took about She took a day off on Friday just to hang out with us, and she was with us the entire weekend. So I know although the uh, games were not good, but I just wanted to mention um, something positive. I think this was a hell of an event, and I'm really happy that I made that trip. So just wanted to... What what did you... uh, What have you enjoyed the most, like uh, especially in Helsinki? I mean, we spent three days there. I'll be honest, by the time we went to uh, Tampere, for me, it was those were work days. You know, we had a practice uh, late in the afternoon, and then game day, game day. So I got to see more of Helsinki than I did really of uh, Tampere while we were there. What What have you enjoyed the most? Yeah, I was actually in Tampere most of the time. So, and um, by the way, good for you to uh, finally got it down now. With the, it's, I know <laughs> last Monday you struggled with the Tampere I did. one, but <laughs> I, I just needed to go hey, there um, for a couple of days. That's all. That's that's all I needed. Right. I, I think it was the overall welcomeness. I, I think they are so hockey crazy there. Honestly, the guy on the ice with the white overall filming, that was that was one of my highlights. I know that sounds stupid, but I thought that was hilarious. Um, and then just hate the way they, they are into it. My favorite was when they sang the Finnish anthem before the two games. The passion and how that evolved, I mean, that was just crazy. 
Um, so I was just most happy for the Finns, to be honest. The food was great. Everything it was just positive except for the games. I, I couldn't be more in agreement with you. And when you talk about the guy in white, on the cameraman on the ice was wearing white. Like, like what are they trying to hide him so you can't see him, right? In the meantime, he's got a black <laughs> so camera funny. and black skates, so I don't know how that was supposed to work. But anyway, um, you know, you mentioned the Finnish national anthem. I am so in agreement with you about that that on the second night, I videotaped the uh, uh, tape. That's that's how old I am. I took a video of the Finnish national anthem while it was being sung just to hear all of the people and the way they sung it. Because, And I said this on the air, too. Uh, you go to Canada, and there are many Canadian markets where they sing it uh, – you know, they sing very loud. The entire crowd sings very loud. And you go to Chicago where, you know, they they cheer the entire way through the anthem. And those are special things. But that Finnish anthem and the way the people sang it there and the way they sang it so robustly and with uh, such passion, it was great. And, and I thought to myself before I started to video it, I thought, boy, I hope they do it the same tonight as they did last night. And I was not disappointed. And I thought it really, really set the stage for – what what was happening there? Not just a hockey game, but the appreciation that uh, the Finnish people had for the National Hockey League bringing the game to them for a weekend. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I mean, you, you mentioned the passion. It was most obvious during the anthem, but all throughout the weekend. I mean, we talked to so many people here. Their knowledge about the NHL and hockey is just incredible. So... I'm most happy for them that they got to see it. And again, huge, huge shout out here to Sila. Thank you so much for taking us around. So yeah, I, I saw. Just wanted to. I saw Sila being praised uh, on social media for that. So I, I'm glad that. Uh, well, I didn't expect her not to be an open host, and I'm glad that every one of you that dealt with her enjoyed that. And I also think she's coming over here in January. Am I right? Yes, you are actually. Yeah, for the Detroit game in Detroit, and then I think there's three home games straight after. So that's going to be great for her. So you guys get to reciprocate. Yes, Perfect. again, uh, yeah. Uh, she, she's going to be on vacation this time, so uh, we will have to go work. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be good for her. That's right. What goes around comes around. That's how the saying goes, right? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for chiming in all the way from Helsinki today, and uh, make sure you get some salmon soup before you leave because I don't know when you'll have it again. I'm actually going to go eat some moose after this. Some moose? Yeah, I did have idea. the reindeer already. Now I'm going to try the moose. Is that uh, what is is that the strangest thing that you've eaten to this point prior to the moose, the reindeer? 100%. Reindeer is really good, but moose is probably going to top. I had, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had a, uh, reindeer ten, a reindeer tenderloin roast. It was really good. Mm. Really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yep. and yesterday I had some smoked reindeer on the plane on the way back. So words That's I never great. thought I would say, to be honest with you. <laughs> Rudolph is dead. I know. I, I don't know how kids are getting the presents because I think I ate all the reindeer. But anyway. It happens. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Uh, and that, that's really what it was What it was all about. It, it really was. It's, yeah, the hockey, and that we were there for the hockey, but um, come for the hockey, stay for the experience, I guess is how it should be said. So, again, I'm wide open here on Twitter Spaces. If you want to uh, jump on, you're more than welcome to do that. All you have to do is request to be a speaker. I guess we're going to have to talk about hockey now. Huh. I'll tell you what, another thing, when we're talking about food right there, uh, I don't know if I ever had as much salmon in my life 
as I had in the last week. And I like salmon. It's not a complaint. Um, somebody joked yesterday, I think it was uh, Joel Goodling, our TV producer. We were standing in customs at the Columbus airport and he goes, well, I got to get home and make some salmon. <laughs> it's like, we just ate that for a week. Uh, what was another thing I had? Um, there was a, uh, there was a season ticket holder gathering on Saturday after, well, it was an optional morning skate. So there really wasn't a morning skate. So, but there was a, a big, uh, question and answer segment with Yarmo and Brad Larson and they had some great food there, and I had this smoked trout that was unbelievable. Like, I wasn't sure what it was, and and I thought it was going to be warm, and it was cold, and so when I first took a bite, I was like, because it was cold, I was a little bit surprised, and then the taste of it was unbelievable, just unbelievable. I, I had a struggle to find a good burger. Like, I, well, I did have one, I had one in the arena. The, there was a concession stand right behind us, where the off-ice officials that came from Columbus on Saturday during the second intermission, all of a sudden they had burgers and fries. And I'm like, how do you guys rate? And then they had an extra one, so they rated very high for me. They gave me the burger. That was good. I went to the uh, Finnish version of McDonald's. That burger was a little bit different. And the the chocolate shake was a little bit different too because there's a lot of times we go somewhere on the road and I'll just, uh, you know, burger and a shake for, for lunch just because I can. And then sometimes I'll think to myself, well, they won that game, so i got to try to do that next time. And after they lost on Friday, I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll try that. But uh, it didn't work as well. just didn't work as well. But, uh, again, the experience, was, uh, the experience was incredible. If there's any others of you that are still over in Finland, feel free to jump on Twitter spaces, and I'd love to talk to you. CBJ Center is next up on today's show. Hello. Hi there, Bob. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You? I'm doing uh, great. Um, and and first of all, obviously, I just like to say um, it, the global experience, or the, the global experience, the global series was just it just looked amazing. Unfortunately, I couldn't actually make the trip there. Uh, I was uh, I watched both games um, as, as as hard as it was to watch. I watched uh, both games from uh, from my home in Toronto and. Uh, um, I before before the games, I just noticed and, and uh, on social media so much, um, so many people enjoyed uh, enjoyed being in Finland. The fans are so passionate about hockey. Uh, Patrick Laine is a rock star there. It's just just so many uh, positives to take away from it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, there there is also a hockey aspect that you have to look at. And I did I, I did have one question for you, and that's um, obviously five five games in a row. I, I believe. Uh, starting from the Arizona game, that are five blowout losses. If you think about it, I mean the uh, the Colorado, the first uh, Global Series game, not really a, a blow, but it's a by three or more goals. And and I just wanted to ask you, as as much as I don't really like to to, to criticize people, and I don't want to do it, how much of this really goes on Brad Larson? Because like you were saying before, um, it's really on the players to put it together at the end of the day, and the coach can only do so much. So how, how much uh, how much is on Larson in this case? I will answer it this way, and I've said this for the last couple of days. I do not feel, this is me, I do not feel that changing the person that is in the position as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets will change what is happening with the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. I don't. And that's not always the case. There are many times where... You feel that guys are tuning out a coach and it, it's time to do something different. 
But this team right now, in my opinion, this is just guys not playing hard. This is just guys not doing the things we've seen them do before. I don't know why that is. Um, I, I guarantee you, Brad Larson's not saying back off. Brad Larson's not saying, hey, don't worry about that forecheck. Don't be as aggressive with that. Brad Larson's not saying, hey, the guy out at the point, let, leave him alone. Let him sit out there and set everything up. Let's pack it in in front of the goal and, and let these uh, high-end teams, which is what the schedule has been for the most for, or for most of the season, let these high-end, experienced teams just go ahead and sit out there and set everything up the way that they want to, and then we'll get they'll, they'll get us to scramble a little bit, and then that'll open it up for our goalies, and, and they probably won't be able to make the stop. He's not saying that. He's saying the opposite. I don't feel this is a team that has quit on its coach. I think this is a group of individuals that are just not being themselves for whatever reason. Now, that being said, the coach is a lightning rod. You know, somebody asked Brad the other day in a press conference, do you feel uh, that your job's in jeopardy? And he goes, look, this is the way it is here. Um, you know, he basically said you get hired to get fired in this business. But I don't I don't think this is on him, to be honest with you. I, I This is individual decisions, and this is um, individual lackluster play that is going on. Now, how do you stop that from happening as a coach? That's the real question, and what do you do? Do, do you, uh, I don't know, do you start to bring some other guys in? Is there anybody that you can bring up from Cleveland and take away some playing time from somebody or some people and stuff like that? And that's not a coach thing. That's more of a general manager thing, but it's a, it's a team effort. They're going to talk about it. But what do you do? What do you do to get out of guys what they've given you in the past? Because I think we will all agree that last year this team went all out. And they were shot blocking, and they were playing hard, and they were they were fun to watch. Even when they went through a bad stretch and fell out of playoff contention, they still they still brought you the effort. I don't think this group has brought nearly the effort to this point as the one last year did. And the problem with that is many of the faces are the same. So you know, if if this would have been last year and they played like that last year, and now they're playing like that again this year, then it would be easier to say, well, is this a coaching thing? I mean, do they not want to play for this guy or anything? But they did, and now they're not. And why is that? What's what's going on here? That's what's got to be figured out. Is it a is it a chemistry thing? Um, you know, is, does he have to put pieces in different places? I, I don't know. But I really, I honestly feel like you could take Brad Larson out of the mix and you could put anybody else there. And, you know, everybody wants to go, ah, just go get Barry Trotz. That, come on. I, I don't even know if a Barry Trotz could fix it right now. So I, I'm I, I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, Bob, uh, honestly, like, and, and not to, I didn't mean for my uh, my question to be construed as this is uh, all on Larson. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't take it like that. I, no, really. I mean, you have every right to ask the question. I don't, I don't think you're trying to single anybody out. I just, but I, I really, there are times in this game where you feel like you got to get a new coach. This is just not going to work anymore. And, and this one, I, I just don't, I don't think he's the problem, it, it, but he does need to fix the problem, but I don't see him as the problem. Yeah, I think Larson's definitely, um, he's definitely got his work cut out of, uh, got cut out for him when it comes to 
fixing this team and, and finding finding ways to, to motivate them because quite honestly, it just seems like, especially I found in the New Jersey game, we just weren't motivated for not even a minute of that game. There, there was not a, a stretch where I felt like we had any momentum and we, and we were actually trying in that game. And then I start to think about it. And I look back on last year and I said, well, we, we were, we were winning games last year. We were, we were playing very well every game. We were pretty much giving it our all for Larson. And I, I, and I don't remember seeing too many of these performances last year and to see five of them in a row uh, just makes me question, well, maybe, maybe this, this isn't what everybody's saying. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, a lot more even than, than we think it is, and maybe it's a lot more on the actual players than we think it is. It is. It is. And like I said, what do you do? Like, to this point, as I look at it right now, the best way to motivate would be to take some guys out of the, out of the lineup, and maybe you have to take a significant guy out of the lineup. Uh, do you want to do that? You know, or are you going to be happy if you go into a game against Philadelphia and there's a top-tier player that's not playing. And then if you lose that game, then it's easy to turn around and say, well, the, you didn't play your best players. I, it's a it's a conundrum right now. It really is. But um, look, at the end of the day, and this is just how it is in sports in general, <laughs> there was uh, the Indianapolis Colts fired Frank Reich again today, right? Um, the coach is the ultimate guy that's responsible for it. And, you know, he's got to figure out how to get them turned around. But... I'm not. I'm not saddling this on on Brad Larson and what he's doing because I think you could replace him with Coach X or Coach Y right now. And um, yeah, if I'm a coach right now, I don't know if I'm looking for my first opportunity. I'm in on it, but if I'm a, an experienced guy, I, I would have to look at it and think about it because these guys just aren't. They, they just don't seem to be there right now, and I don't. I don't know exactly why that is, and uh, it's. Very strange to me. Very, very strange. Again, if you're on Twitter Spaces with me, we're doing this live, and you can uh, request to be a speaker, and you can be on the show right now. Got some uh, questions on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports. Brian Wallace says, the roster does have flaws. It appears the team is unprepared to play most games. Uh, they have issues bringing the puck through the neutral zone. And how much heat is Larson feeling? Well, I, I just answered that part of it, but... Um, you know, they do have trouble bringing it through the neutral zone and, and entering the zone. They struggle with that. And I'm, you know, go back a couple of years ago to the power play when it was really, really struggling, and they kept on trying to enter the zone the same way, and it would drive me crazy, and I would even say, you know, what, why don't you try something different? Well, they do things differently now, and they still have some of the same problems. And again, individual effort and decisions have a lot to do with those problems. The good Reverend Rodriguez says this team is very noticeably lacking chemistry even after a working field trip to Finland. Instead of asking you how you'd fix the team, I want to know your favorite team bonding stories you've heard from your time in the broadcast booth. Not really, you know, the, the favorite stories, and they're not really stories. It's just when you get on trips like the one that these guys were just on. And here's the thing. They were struggling so much going into it that here's what you and I wanted to see. You wanted to see them get together go to the sauna and take a dip in the Baltic and all of a sudden everything was fixed, you know? It's like uh, you just wanted it to to all mesh together and all of a sudden you win two games or at least win one game and everything is good. And that, that didn't happen. I still think that there are going to be um, better experiences for this group from going on that trip. 
I don't know that they're going to be uh, immediate, and you're going to see it starting on Thursday against Philadelphia or if it's going to take time. This is a group that has always talked about how much they enjoy each other's company and they care about one another, and I'm not questioning questioning that whatsoever. But you know what? you gotta you got to take it to the ice. You've got to take it to the ice. So the best team bonding stories are just the, the long trips and, you know, when they get a chance to hang out together. I really don't have a story for you. I don't, I'm not in it anyway, right? They're talking about team bonding. I'm not invited. They don't come to me and say, hey, Bob, we're going to do this big team bonding thing. would like to invite you to come along. That's not going to happen. That is just not going to happen. So I'm sorry, Reverend, I don't have a specific story for you, but I, I still think that there's going to be positive repercussions from this long trip. Uh, Connor says, I'm curious as to when are we going to hear from Yarmo or John Davidson? I feel like they should address the media soon because they have been ghosts while the mess on the ice continues to unfold. Ghosts? What are you talking about? Uh, John Davidson was on the inside edge with Jody Shelley and I just uh, not this past week, but the one before. Yarmo Kekalainen did a Q&A with Aaron Portsline for The Athletic uh, on the trip. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen did an interview with Dylan Tyre. Uh, during the New Jersey game before we left. They've not been ghosts. They're around. I mean, what, do you want them to hold a press conference? You want them to go to a podium and have everybody ask him questions about what? I mean, his, every time you lose three, four, five in a row, you're supposed to hold a press conference or something? They have not been ghosts. They've been around. Maybe you need to look for when they're around or pay more attention to, to when they're around. You know, were they supposed to come back from Finland, hold a press conference at the airport yesterday and address all? I mean, come on. Come on. I know you're frustrated. That's fine. <sighs> Kyle. The team was 14th in goals scored last season. They're 30th this season after adding Johnny Gaudreau. The goals allowed was 28th last season. This year, it's 31st. Worst goal difference in the league. The team was close to 500 last year. This year, it's the bottom of the East. Something has to change. Oh, so that's not a question. I don't even need to say anything. Kyle told me what's wrong and told me it's got to change. So there we go. No kidding. And I don't know why they're not scoring at the same rate, especially when they have an elite goal scorer that they added. I have some I have some things. I'm going to hold on to some things until the end of this or until I get most of your questions, and then I'll, I'll bring it to you. Um, Young Guns 27. I don't want to tank as a season ticket holder. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you very much. I don't want to tank as a season ticket holder. I want a competitive game. I forked out hard-earned dollars. How can Yarmo let this continue? The defensive goaltending has regressed. Any goodwill of signing free agents is being used up with this debacle. Again, not a question. Just a statement. Tanking. I don't want to hear about I don't want to hear about tanking, but here's Anthony saying so many people are talking about tanking this season for a higher draft pick on here. No executive for the Blue Jackets actually thinks tanking an entire season to try to get one player is worth it, right? Seems silly sacrificing a whole season for one player. Listen, listen, calm down. Take a step back, take a breath, take a drink, and take another breath. There's no... First of all, you cannot get a professional team to tank, all right? You just can't. Now, you might argue to me, or with me and say, well, this team looks like they don't care about uh, individual performance. Yeah, they're struggling right now. I get it. I get it. I'm with you. But athletes don't go out and say, let's lose. 
Now, can you make a team that is not going to be competitive enough to where you may lose? Sure, you can. Do I think that's this team? No, I don't. If you're trying to tank, you don't go get Johnny Gaudreau. If you're trying to tank, you don't re-sign Patrick Laine. We all knew there were potential problems with this team, did we not? Did we not talk about it preseason? Did we not talk about it during training camp? Did we not have discussions about the concern being that the defense, which struggled last year, was relatively unchanged? Did we not have those conversations? I know we did. I know I could go back and pull them for you. I know I could play them again. And I know that you know there's no need to do that because you know we talked about it. Okay? And everybody wants to go the defense and the goaltending. And okay, first of all, the defense is a team thing. And maybe last year they just uh, had more confidence shooting the puck and they had more luck shooting the puck than they're having this year. But it's the defense, and I'm talking team defense, that is contributing. It's defense and decision-making that's contributing to the whole thing. You know, the goaltenders, how many times are they left in two-on-ones? Odd man rushes. Two-on-one, three-on-two, four-on-one, for crying out loud. Right? Too often. Way too often. You know, and, and you look at all three goaltenders that have played this year. You look at the three of them, and they've all fell victim to the same thing. So what does that tell you? It's not just one goaltender. You know, if Elvis was in there and there were five or six being scored, and then Tarasov went in there and there was only one or two being scored, and then Corpusala went in there and there were none being scored, well, then we have a conversation about goaltending. But we don't have a conversation about goaltending because they're all in the same boat. They're all being put into the same position, which is just a terrible position to be put in, especially as a goaltender. So don't, don't talk about tanking. There's, you know, we're, we're eighth of the way through the season or whatever. I mean, it's Arizona is built to be bad. Chicago is built to be bad. This team is not built to be bad. It's just playing badly. All right? Now, that being said, as that question was like, you know, tanking a season to get one player, that's not really worth it, right? I'm not telling you to tank, but I'll answer this part of it. Can one player make a big difference? Ask the Pittsburgh Penguins. They did it twice. Didn't work for the Buffalo Sabres. They tanked and didn't get Connor McDavid. They got Jack Eichel, and that worked terribly. It's starting to work out now that they got rid of Jack Eichel. I mean, sometimes you need that top three pick to infuse that kind of skill, especially when you're talking about the center position to get the kind of skill that you just can't buy on the open market or on the trade market. But, you know, nobody's, nobody's, this is not what we're talking about here. Paul, you're next up on the show. How are you? Good, Bob. Good to hear, hear from you. Glad you made it back safe. Thank you very much. Now, speaking of Pittsburgh, you know, things could be worse. They've they've lost seven in a row. Yeah, they haven't won a game since they beat us. That's right. So that's and something uh, we can live vicariously through that. There is a uh, there's an article in the Athletic today from Pierre LeBrun talking about how the Penguins, the Capitals, and who's the other team that's been a perennial playoff St. team? St. Louis. I, St. Louis. I saw Thank that you. article. Yeah, talking about how all three of those teams are struggling, and and we talked about that. Right? Is this the time that the Penguins and the Capitals age out? And maybe they do. Maybe they don't. 
Uh, and don't forget, St. Louis, once upon a time, not very long ago, they were in last place, and they won the Stanley Cup in the same year, so who knows. But, um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting uh, It's interesting how it works out. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. That wasn't your question, though. Go ahead, Paul. No, no, it's just a fun fact I was I was looking at. But, um, no, I was, I was curious what you uh, – kind of looking forward to the, the month ahead. we got a lot of home games coming up, and I think I looked at the schedule – at the beginning of the year before any games were played and was kind of like, oh, this could be a good stretch for the Jackets to pick up some games, but the teams they're coming up are actually playing pretty good. Philadelphia's playing pretty good. Islanders, Detroit, <clears throat> all have winning records. So I'm curious what you want to see out of the team moving forward the next over this nice this home game stretch. I think they got like five of six or six of seven home games coming up for the next couple seven. weeks. Yeah, I think it's six of seven. Um I, I just want to see. What are you them. hoping to see? I want to see them play hard. I want to see them give effort. I want to see them give consistent effort. I, I want to see them. They always say, well, we want to make this a tough place to play. And that's a great quote. But if you're not going to go out and do it, then it's just words. So I want to see them make Nationwide Arena a tough place to play. And how are they going to make it a tough place to play? Well, they're going to have to start to grind day in and day out. They've got a forecheck. They've got to quit letting these defensemen on these other teams. And they just let Kale McCarr, who is an absolute elite player, run their show for two games back-to-back. He really did. I mean, he, he was able to do just about anything he wanted to. Start to attack those guys better. Start to put more pressure on other teams. Quit sitting back and, and waiting to see what they're going to do. Be aggressive, but be smart aggressive. Because we talked about this early in the show. How do you wind up with four guys below the faceoff dot and a two-on-one back the other way? Because you're being aggressive, and it's the wrong kind of aggressive at the wrong time of the game being aggressive. But defensively, how about be more aggressive? How about make guys know that they're going to get hit whenever they touch the puck? How about make them not want to have the puck come in their direction? How about make them know that they have to make short little passes because you're you're going to take away the long passes. How about making those other teams work instead of being outworked? That's what I want to see. I want to see them come home. I want to see them say, this is enough. This is how we've got to do it and go out there and do it. it it's it's very simple. But this, this, is an, this is to me more of an effort thing, Paul, than it is an X's and O's thing. Well, that that's kind of what I was curious about. Was another part when you were kind of talking about a lot was made of that new defensive system, the mixture man zone defensive system. And is there a reason? I don't know if I've got to imagine they're still playing that system. I can't tell. I don't know enough. There, well, uh, no, 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 here, let me help you. Let me help you. They're supposed sure. to be. But what I see doesn't look anything like it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, could the, is there a way coaching can simplify things? Like, hey, look we're going to just put this aside and let's just do this and make it black and white for the guys so they can play a little freer, not be thinking so much on the ice. I'm sure there is, but also from talking to the players, um, you know, they, when I talked to them about it during camp and the early part of the year, they all said to a man, well, we've, we've all done this before. It's not that big of a deal. Okay. So if it's not such a big of a deal, why is it such a problem? So I don't know. What do you go back to a man to man? You know, because they got away from the man-to-man and went into, like, this man-zone hybrid thing. Uh, could they change it back and try to simplify it like that, I guess? Yeah, there are things that they can do, and I'm sure there are things that they've already tried to do. Uh, I would 
I would be shocked if the coaching staff as a whole was just dug in and saying, we're going to do it this way, it's my way or the highway. Um, but it, even if they have tried to adjust it, they're going to have to do it more, apparently, because it, it's just that not working. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish there was one thing uh, that the Jackets could lean on and like, hey, we're going to go, this is one stat or goals or anything part of the game that they could lean on and try and dig themselves out of it. But, boy, you know, like the one guy said in the statistics, there really isn't much. (laughs) All the goalies are getting shelled. The power play has come to life a little bit, I suppose. PK kill is okay. Defense isn't great. There's really – it's tough. I guess the guys really do have to just dig inward and figure it out. You know what will fix it, Paul? I'll tell you what. Sorry? I'll, I'll tell you exactly what will fix all this. A couple of wins. Because right now, they are – they're low. They're really low. I was going to say they're lower than a, the, the two examples I came up with I can't say on the air. So, anyway, they're pretty low right now. Did and, you fly back with the team? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So oh, okay, vibe vibe around the teams, right there. Quiet, very quiet. Um, not you know, not very many smiles. There's no reason to smile. They know it. They know where they are. They know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of wins could make you feel a lot better. Not just you and me, but make them feel better. And you know, it's a funny thing because we could be talking about this and. And they could win two in a row, turn into three in a row, four in a row, and, and then we have a totally different conversation. That, But right now it's hard to see that because of the way the last number of games have gone here and, and the amount of goals that have been scored against them. I mean, if you give up four goals a game, that means you have to score five to win. That's that's a tall task even in today's NHL. If you give up five, got to score six. That's ridiculous. So they got to cut down on that. And um I just think they, they've got to be harder to play against. I don't think they're a very hard team to play against right now, and that means they've lost their identity because that's what Blue Jackets hockey is. No, I agree, and that's kind of – I think I when I uh, after the first few games, I was kind of like I don't – I think I told you this. I was like I don't see the team that I saw last four or five years. Right. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And I, where is that team? You know, it's like, well, the real Columbus Blue Jackets, please stand up. And I'm waiting for them to stand up. And I hope well, they stand up while they're playing at home here in the next couple of weeks. 100%. It's a great opportunity. The teams coming in aren't juggernauts. So, let's, you know, five, like you said, six out of seven. Let's get some wins. Let's start, start with Torts on Thursday. There you go. I, and that, that should be motivation in, in and of itself, quite honestly. But we'll 100%. see. 100%. We'll see. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Great to have you on today. Uh, if you're on Twitter Spaces and you want to come on live, you can do it. Just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on. Um, let's see. Here's a question from David. He says, if, uh, or he says, what value is it serving to keep Kent Johnson, Igor Chinikov, and Cole Sillinger in the National Hockey League right now? None are excelling, and it appears only bad experience is on the horizon. Why not some big minutes with Cleveland? And replace them with who? I mean, you have to bring guys up to send them down. And uh, there are some candidates down there, and here's a couple of candidates, actually. Because uh, optimistic Blue Jackets fan says, when do Bemstrom and Marchenko get the call? And also says, do you think it would be worth letting Sillinger find his game again in Cleveland? You know, all of that sounds great, but uh, I don't don't know. I don't know. But I I will tell you this. 
Marchenko and Bemstrom are having great seasons. And uh, it looks like Emil Bemstrom is finally enjoying playing the North American game. And he's been red hot. And do you bring him back and take away somebody else's time? Or do you flip somebody down to Cleveland for him? Maybe you do. Carson Meyer. Where is that? I was talking with Jean-Luc Grandpierre about this earlier today when uh, Justin Danforth went out of the lineup. The Blue Jackets lost a lot of spark, and they lost a guy that just gives it all on every single shift. And Carson Meyer had a great camp, and Carson Meyer has been continuing to do those kind of things for Cleveland. You know, do you look in that direction? There's a lot of questions. And... You know, I I I don't I don't know where to go with it. I really don't know where to go with it. Um, who should be where? I, you know me. If you've been around for a long time, you know that to me, if you put all of those young guys in Cleveland at the same time and just allowed them to annihilate everybody in the American Hockey League, that would be terrific. I mean, that's what Tampa did for years. They did that for a couple of years. They had. Uh, most of those guys on their Stanley Cup winning teams in the AHL for more than one year. And I mean all of them. The big boys. Kucherov was there for two years. Palat played down there. Uh, you know, they all came through there. And a lot of them came through at the same time and, and developed a core and a chemistry. So, you know, it's easy to say, well, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just put them down there? And th- then you got to replace them with other players. And what are you going to do when it comes to that? And we're talking about tanking. Okay. So if you send three guys to Cleveland, whoever you bring up, is that, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to be as skilled of players. Just those are facts. I mean, Brendan Gantz has more experience and he plays the center position. And Cole Sillinger has been struggling and hasn't scored a goal. But who's, who's the more skilled guy with the more upside? It's, it's Sillinger. So I don't know. There's a lot of head scratching. A lot of, I, I'm sure there are a million things that have been talked about and are being talked about with the management of this team and the coaches of this team. Uh, what the heck is this? Ring Ox? I don't. I don't. I don't even know how to say this Twitter handle. But anyway, the question is: Can you discuss rebuilding? Discuss the rebuilding phase of the Blue Jackets versus the fun-to-watch rebuild of the Montreal Canadiens. I saw all games of both teams this season, and there's a big difference in the fan experience when a game is lost. There's a big difference in the fan experience when a game is lost. All right, well, I'll, I'll discuss it for you. Here's my opinion, and I'm not – I hope I'm on target with this answer because I'm. you may be saying that the people in Montreal aren't as upset when they lose as the Blue Jackets, which I would also find to be extremely surprising because they hate to lose in Montreal, and they they are very tough. They're one of the toughest fan bases in all of the world. But um, when Johnny Gaudreau came here, I think so many of us, and, and I'll put up my hand, I'm guilty, just thought that that was going to propel the Blue Jackets to where they needed to be to be in the playoffs. And even though I discussed about the the defense and that being a problem, you know, I was kind of looking at it with blinders and saying, ah, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll be okay. I don't know under normal, under normal circumstances if you sign a Johnny Gaudreau based on where the Blue Jackets were as a team this summer. 
I think, um, you know, you may not sign a superstar for another year or two until you're really ready to, to go in the playoffs. That being said, when a guy like that is available, even if the overall timing may not be perfect, you got to take him. He's not going to be there in two years. He's there now. So you got to take him. You got to do something. So maybe you get ahead of yourself because you have to, and you bring that guy in, and you're still waiting for it to work out. But if you really think about it, it's probably working out the way it was going to work out if you hadn't added him to the roster. So it's, you know, you're you're kind of ahead of the curve and behind the curve all at the same time, if that makes any sense. Montreal, I don't think those people, even though they were in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago, if you're honest about it, they were in the Stanley Cup final in that COVID season. Uh, they had a lot of good breaks, like they got to play in that Canadian division. Um, it was a weak division. They got out of that one. And they came in. They beat the Golden Knights. All credit to them to get to the Stanley Cup final before losing. Uh, Carey Price is not playing. And when they've done their best things, it's with Carey Price in there. So I don't know what the expectation level in Montreal is. And when the expectation level is low, then you can deal with entertaining games and then games that are lost. When the expectation level is higher, then it's much harder to deal with. I guess the real question is, is the expectation level realistic or not? Maybe that's the way it should be put. Is it realistic or not? Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, another one about kids going to Cleveland. I already covered that. Um, line A is life says, do you think the Blue Jackets allow their defensive prospects to develop or do they go out and try to get a free agent or trade for an established defenseman? Just, it depends. Just depends. You know? That's the thing about trading, too. There used to be a day where you'd struggle like this and you'd just go out and you make a trade. And you'd shake up the room and send a message. And it's so hard to do now in the uh, salary cap era. It is. Just like Cameron Patrick wants to know, do the Blue Jackets make a move for a big-name defenseman like Jacob Chikrin, or do they just stick it out? You mean the Jacob Chikrin that's hurt a lot? And is and he plays on the side where they're already stacked up and they'd have to have somebody playing their offside and, and that could create more problems for you. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I, I I don't know if that's the solution to the problem, that guy. And again, you talk about trade, you just say this is what I'm talking about with trades. Uh should you go out and get Jacob Chickren? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna cost you two first round picks, uh a young player in the NHL right now and a prospect guy. You in? I'm not. No way am I in on that. Not a chance I'm in on that. I'm not giving up two first-round picks, especially in this year's draft. I'm, no. No, I'm not. If your price comes down, give me a call. If it comes down significantly, I'll, go, I'll drive to Arizona and come see you. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, ha, James says, I just really want to know if you and the Blue Jackets will be paying for their check mark on Twitter soon. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. I haven't. I haven't even thought about it. I could care. We just had a long discussion about this the other night after the game about being verified on Twitter and not or not. And I, <laughs> I could. I really could care less. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. I all right. I'll tell the story that I told. The story that I told the other night is that um, I followed my son's um, junior college baseball team. 
and he said to me, hey, the coach came to me and he said, hey, your dad followed the baseball account the other day, and do you know he is the first verified Twitter member to ever follow our account? And we've had guys play here who are sons of senators and judges and all these important people. He's the very first one that's been verified. And the first question I had is, so what? <laughs> so I, what I'm saying is I think others put more into it than I do. I don't plan on shelling out 8 bucks a month. I don't plan on it, but, you know, I got to see the benefits of it, I guess. Because right now it's just, I don't, I don't know what the benefits are. I have no idea. Then again, is it something special now that just everybody will do if they if you're willing to pay the eight bucks? I don't know. We're talking ninety six bucks a year just to have a blue check mark. Are you going to not follow me because I have a blue check mark? Are you going to not listen to what I say because I don't have a blue check mark? I don't care. Doesn't matter. All right, what else do I have here? Oh, okay. Here, uh, B. Spangenberg wants to come back and talk about. Uh, this Montreal thing I was just talking about says, I don't think the losing where the fan base in Montreal is okay more than Columbus. It's how they lose versus how the Blue Jackets have been losing and effort in games. Play hard but lose, so be it. But no effort in getting smoked, not a good look. Totally agree. Totally agree on that. I'm with you on that. Uh, oh. All right. I'll do, I'm, I'm debating this, but I'll do it. Heather says, Elvis has said before that the fifth line cheering has helped him win games when he's exhausted or sore. Do you think the booing has an opposite effect? I also wonder if switching the lines so much is throwing off play. I've thought about this a lot lately. Thanks and welcome home. Listen, Heather, everybody that pays has a right to do what they want to do. And some people have very different opinions on booing. Some people are like, you never boo your team. You never do that. You know what? If they're playing hard, you know you don't. If they're giving you the effort, they don't. They don't boo them. They appreciate the effort. Just what I was talking about with the Montreal thing. If you're giving the effort, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, then you very seldom get booed. It's when there appears to be a lack of effort or concentration or desire even that that occurs. So, you know, are you supposed to cheer what you perceive to be a lack of effort? You can if you want to, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. And that's the beauty of it. You get to choose. Still one of those things in life where you get to choose what you're going to do. So, you know, I like, yeah, of course it makes you feel better when people cheer for you, and it makes you feel worse when they boo you. But I think we all know that in sports, as a group of athletes, you are deciding which way it's going to go based on your effort and performance. Isn't that fair? I think it is. Uh, and you talk about switching lines, throwing off chemistry. What chemistry? <laughs> what chemistry? That's why they're being switched. Is because there's no chemistry. Because nothing's coming out of it right now. So, you got to do what you got to do. Patrick Line was asked the other night after the uh, second game, you know, were you uh, surprised that you and Johnny Gaudreau got split up and put on different lines. And he said, well, a little bit. I was. I, I think we've really started to gel this past week. And it took me by surprise because I think there have been times they played well, but when you're losing like you're losing, something's got to be done. And everybody is 
up for job review by the minute. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, something that had to be done. Something that had to be done. I was going to tell you my favorite story about the trip to Finland. And I was just on the verge of doing it. And I think I'm going to hold off. And I'm going to hold off because it involves Jody Shelley. And we have the inside edge coming up this week. And I want to, I want to have, I want to have Jody talk about it with me. So I, because it is his story. I just happened to be there, but it was my favorite thing that happened. So if you want to find out what that is, Wednesday night, seven o'clock, 97.1, the fan uh, in Columbus, also in the Blue Jackets app and bluejackets.com. We will have the inside edge. We'll post it as a podcast afterwards. So if you want to hear that story, you're, you're going to have to wait. I know it's a tease and it's not fair and all that stuff and, but that's that's the way it is. It's his story. I want to get him to talk about it because it'll be far funnier when he talks about it anyway. I was going to wrap this up, but I see that uh, Irwin has come aboard. And Irwin, the last couple of weeks, has uh, been really good in his thoughts and uh, the way he's portrayed everything. So I can't. I just can't end the show without hearing from Irwin today. How are you? How you doing, Bob? Good. You know, I want to do a little tip of the hat to your career counselor. I was reading the back of your baseball card, and you said you wanted to spend the rest of your life in Kinston, North Carolina, <laughs> working as the Kinston Indians baseball announcer. And yeah. I'm glad you and the career counselor had that come-to-Jesus moment because right. I'd have been really depressed if somebody like Myron Cope had wound up as the Blue Jackets announcer. <laughs> yoy and double yoy. Hey, listen, you want to hear the – here's the story on what's on the back of that baseball card, Okay. Um, that was my, I I think that was my second year in pro ball and it was my second baseball card. And I was like all geeked out because I was getting a baseball card. Right. And I had to fill out the form as to what would go on the back. So I I went through and I filled it out very professionally and I gave it back to our assistant general manager who was taking the form so they could send them into the card company. Well, the people that I work with there at the time, thought it would be really funny just to rewrite what was going to be on the back of the baseball card. And what you just read off was not what I wrote on my piece of paper. And I was so mad when those cards came out. I was furious, which was stupid looking back at it. I was a 25-year-old kid who had no idea what was going on and thought I was more important than I was. So, uh, oh, I was mad at them for over a week for that thing, and they thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And the irony of it is that card is now in a set of baseball cards with uh, some great guys that were, they now have been, and are former great Major League Baseball players. <laughs> and a, lot of, uh, a lot of guys have played in Cleveland, Richie Sexton, A.N.R. Diaz, Enrique Wilson, and uh, and. And that card is in that set with all of them, and it's all this smart-ass stuff on the back of it that I never wrote, and and I was so mad. But again, I can laugh about it now, not just because I'm here, because I was so stupid to be mad at them. They pulled a practical joke. It was on a baseball card that, like, who was getting it? Although it still exists here, what, 30 years later. But uh, I spent a lot of my life mad about that thing, Irwin, and I guess I shouldn't have been. We probably wouldn't even be talking about it today. We wouldn't be. If it didn't say that on the back, you'd never even brought it up to me. So I should call those people and apologize today. Yeah, well, you should have lied and said you led your high school baseball team in home runs or something and 
turn down a scholarship somewhere to pursue a broadcast career. I could. I think that would have gotten you. Tell me, I'm telling you, I could have written anything on that paper that I turned in, and none of it was ever going to appear on that card. It was always going to be whatever was going to piss me off is what they were going to put on that card because they thought it was funny. So it wouldn't have mattered. Well, anyway, to get to the point of why I called today, I think that, like some of the others, I, I question the wisdom of having the kids playing in Columbus now, but I think what's going on here is they're trying to expedite the rebuild because that's really more or less what it is. It's not a reset, and they're trying, I think, in some ways to catch lightning in a bottle that if these kids are NHL ready, I mean, uh, none of our fans are complaining about New, New Jersey kind of throwing uh, Hughes and uh, Kashir out there to find their way. I mean, it's what some teams have to do, and uh, we got to have the kids develop. I think my biggest issue with it is when you put them out there that soon, you start their clock towards unrestricted free agency a lot sooner. So I don't really like that. But you're right. I mean, who are you going to bring in and try to replace them with? And I think that the management, what they feel is our upper level management here in Columbus is the fans have waited a long time to be really, really good. And they're trying not to go through. I told you last week, Steve Eiserman said it takes seven years to go through a rebuild and do it right. And they don't want to do that because really, I think without being mean to anybody, the, the club got started off on the wrong foot. The first general manager was there for 10 years and really didn't do a very good job. And when I listen to him on podcasts, he always blames the ownership. But my comeback has always been, well, I haven't seen anybody offer you a job since you left here. So I think a lot of it was on him. He drafted poorly. And other than the fact that he brought in Rick Nash and a cannon, he's not remembered for very much. Oh, he didn't do so the cannon. The cannon wasn't him, actually. So you got to take that away. Really? I thought he went out and got it. No, that was when uh, Hitchcock was here. That was, uh, I believe Scott Hausen was a GM by the time the cannon came. Oh, really? Okay, well, I'll take it away from that. Okay, so he went and traded for Rick Nash and then didn't put a team around him. Okay, we'll give him credit for that. <laughs> but it's still, you know, the folks have waited for a long time. They've seen Minnesota make a deep playoff run. I think they got to the conference finals. As a matter of fact, Minnesota's second or third year in the league. They upset Colorado in game seven of the first round of the playoffs. And I think they were the defending champions then. And we just have the Tampa Bay moment to hang our hat on. But, I mean, it has been 22 years, and I think some of it is just been kind of bad luck more than anything. But I do feel that the club, the organization, is headed in the right direction. And I see people put crazy things out there, like fire Yarmo. I come to the conclusion they don't know very much about hockey. Now, as far as Brad Larson is concerned, personally, I, I like the guy. I appreciate the work he does with hockey ministries. Uh, do you get rid of him? I don't think you get rid of any coach till you can sit there and honestly say that guy's lost the locker room. And if he's lost the locker room, then I think you have no choice but to move on. But because I'm not in the locker room, I can't opine on the situation. Well, and uh, I don't know if you were listening earlier, but I, you know, I said I, I don't think that's that's a case where he's lost the locker room. I, he's got a lot of guys that aren't doing what they're supposed to do, but I don't. I think if you replaced him today and put somebody else in there, I think you might see the same thing on Thursday. I, I don't think that's the answer to this question right now. Yeah, I saw somebody on social media yesterday say that, well, Ken Johnson's second on the team in goals right now with three. I think that's less uh, a testament to what Ken Johnson is doing and more of a testament to what a lot of our veteran players are not doing right now. 
No, that's fair, and you're right about that. And then you could also flip it around, though, and say, okay, and he's got three goals, he's got six points, and that's higher than some other guys, so why are his minutes so much lower than some other players? Why are you not finding more minutes for him? So I could make yeah, that I argument don't like back, too. Fact. Yeah, I don't like the fact that at times it appears as though we start to lose that third line during a game. Right. And when I check the minutes after the game in the box score, I see the guys on the third line with 10, 11 minutes. And I'm not sure what's going on there. Right. That is bad. Well, some of it is, like I'll tell you the other night, there were so many power plays in that first game that, you know, they're the guys that get lost. Because if you don't penalty kill, Ken Johnson doesn't penalty kill. And if you're on the second power play unit, um, you know, they there a lot of their minutes kind of disappeared with that situation. But, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe, maybe they have to look at that a little bit more and quit leaning so heavily on that top line when it's not producing the way that it's uh, – that they needed to produce. Yeah. I or maybe it's not, or, anyway, and, I, and again, who know, I couldn't even tell you what lines I'm going to see at practice tomorrow. And I could further not even tell you if they're going to be the same ones you see on Thursday against Philadelphia. So, um, it, these next couple of days to me, to be honest with you, Irwin, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, you've had the trip back yesterday. You have the day today. And you get a chance to really review a lot of things and have discussions, and these next couple of days I think are going to be interesting. It seems to me like all this started at the second period of the Pittsburgh game, yeah. which ironically Pittsburgh hasn't won a game since they left town. Right. They even got swept by Seattle. Right. They even got swept by Seattle. Yes, and it, it, it did, but then you had that good game against the Rangers the next day, and so everything was fine. Right. But the whole – yeah, the, the Arizona – they, they picked up in with the Arizona game with what happened in the Pittsburgh game, and then it's just snowballed ever since. So, anyway, it'll get better, I think right? At the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, I think they just need to find and determine a rallying point. And if they can find and determine that, I think things can start to get better. Good point. I like that. Thank you, Erwin. Always great to talk to you, and thanks for bringing up the baseball card. That actually made my day. Hey, have a great week. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I got one more thing here. Young Guns 27 uh, wanted to say, let me be clear, I don't think the front office is tanking. I was referring to fans saying, let's tank and get Bedard. I was asking, uh, what I was asking is, what is Yarmo going to, um, what is Yarmo going to anything? Because something has to change. Maybe the word do was out of there. Um, oh, so you're talking about, yeah, the, the yeah, fans, it's, tanking ah we're not gonna talk about that but anyway thank you for clarifying i do appreciate it very very much all right well it's been a fun hour plus of the cbj and 30 you know what i always ask myself and maybe you ask this too why don't you just change the name of it because it's never 30 minutes anymore right especially with this we're always going for a long time but the important thing is you're there you're part of it you're passionate and that's what we love about it Right, that's why I love doing this, and that's what we love as an organization, is having uh, the passion fan base. Because without you and your passion, what is there? Not much. And hopefully, the Blue Jackets are going to get some more passion when they host the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. The return of John Tortorella to Nationwide Arena. He'll stand behind the bench of the Philadelphia Flyers. That'll be weird and be great at the same time. No, I'm not going to do a one-on-one with Torts. I'm just not going to do it. Even though the hockey world deserves it, I'm not going to do it. Uh, because he would tell me no. <laughs> it's very simple why I'm not going to do it. But what do I want to talk to him about? His team? I don't care about his team. 
I care about this team getting back on track and, and getting things together. So that game is coming up on Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. And on Wednesday night, the inside edge, and uh, Jody Shelley and I are working on uh, getting that put together for you for Wednesday. I've made a player request. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't have it confirmed yet or even have an idea if it's going to be confirmed. But um, looking to get a veteran player that can talk about what's going on, one of the voices that you should be hearing from in this kind of a situation. So that's 7 o'clock Wednesday night. On the flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, 97.1 The Fan, also at bluejackets.com and on the CBJ app. And I promise you, I want to get Jody to tell that story about uh, my favorite thing that happened in Finland, which was something that happened with him, and I was just lucky enough to be there for it. You'll you'll enjoy it. I promise you. You'll enjoy the story. It was it was great. It was amazing. Uh, it's amazing how much time can go past in life and – and yet things come back to you. I'll just, I'll just say it like that. It's, it's nothing bad. It's nothing but good. A lot of fun. So, hey, thanks for being here with all your questions today. Um, again, can't do it without you. And this is, uh, this is what we do. And this is the kind of fun that we have. But that is going to do it for today's edition of the Monday Mailbag CBJ in 30. Oh, somebody did ask, can the Blue Jackets still make the playoffs? You know why I blew that off? Number one, I forgot. Number two, yes, they can. St. Louis Blues, the year they won the Stanley Cup, they were in last place. It can happen, but a lot of work has to be done, and they will go back to work next week. I'm Bob McElligot saying so long. So long.